And it's interesting. I mean, sometimes you see signs, signings like this when other people get injured, and you sign a guy, and he just kind of sits on your bench. He's there for insurance. But Earl Borkins is probably going to play. I mean, he's now the backup point guard. And, uh, you know, another interesting thing, everyone talks about his height, 5'5". Five, five. Now the Wizards have two of the, the smallest guys in NBA history, you know, suited up for the team, Boykins and Muggsy Bogues. And then they <laughs> they, uh, they mention how he, he played a little time with Jameson and Gilbert Arenas in Golden State. I think that was the, the 02-03 season. But, you know, one thing about Boykins no one has mentioned, at least that I've seen so far, Mike, you know what that is? What's that? He's from Cleveland. He was born. In oh Cleveland. no! Is he really? Exactly. Oh no! <laughs> I wonder how Deshaun Stevenson's going to integrate him. We will oh, see. Boy. I mean, Deshaun talks to Flip Saunders, and he's from Cleveland, so maybe that'll work out. And you know, I don't. Boykins <laughs> well, has it... played for a lot of teams. I don't think he's played for Cleveland before. Could be. Oh no! I'm wrong. He has. Ninety-nine. Wait, when did he play for Cleveland? Ninety-nine oh, wow. thousand. 25 games. So there on, you go. And I think who was on that Cleveland team? Was was Kemp still on that team? Uh, you know, I've got the basketball reference pulled up. But you've got your Andrew DeClercs, your Danny Ferries, your Pete <laughs> Kemp, Kemp was on that team, along with another guy I think you mentioned in a blog post today, uh, Brevin Knight. He was on that Oh, Cleveland yeah. Team. Yeah, he, he's available. I mean, maybe he didn't want a non – unless – is he still with Utah? I don't know. I thought they cut him. Yeah, I I don't I haven't heard his name so far this year, so. Yeah, so if they got rid of him, I see that's somebody who you know, yeah, he can't shoot, but at least he'll pass and he'll play good defense and he'll be a pro. But maybe he didn't yeah. want the non guaranteed deal. I mean, you know, if I it's if you a, think about it, I mean, th- this could be like literally a two week gig for old Boykins. I mean, yeah, what if Randy Boykins injury is not that serious? It was uh, it was an offensive deal. I mean, plus Boykins, you're not sure if you, you, he hit the free agent market. He ended up signing over in Italy for a lot of money, but I don't think he wanted to go over there. And then he had that issue where he was, you know, he was cut by the team at one point, or they thought he was going to right. be cut because he took, you know, extra long vacation to check on. Uh, evidently, his son was sick in the U.S. and you know the team in Italy wanted to move his family out there, out to Italy for treatment. So I mean, he's been through some experiences overseas where you're like, okay, this guy's just ready to get back, you know, stateside. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, I guess there weren't it's, – it's really hard for us to say, like, well, why did they sign that guy and not this guy? But you definitely wonder, yeah. you know, Earl Boykins. I mean, I remember when they first, I first heard about them thinking about signing Boykins today. I was like, wait, what? Earl Boykins? Yeah, I guess he had, exactly. we hadn't thought of him in a long time. You know, but it could be a two-week gig. I mean, that might be, that's the thing, I think. Does that, I mean, how many – if Foy's injury – I heard Foy's still there today. And yeah. I think Crittenden – we don't know how one's Crittenden is coming back. But if, you know, he might come back fairly soon, too, depending on how his recovery is going. This might be like a three, two-week gig, you know. And there probably aren't too many people out there. That's what makes you wonder why not just get someone from the Dakota team. I don't know who Dakota has on the roster now, but they want a veteran who knows the system. Exactly. Well, anyway, that's that's the 15th roster spot. There are problems right now with the number one and two roster spots, right, um, as we'll get to. One of the big reasons the Wizards are two and six right now is that two of their big guns are struggling a little bit. 
Gilbert Arenas, you know, he had 12 turnovers in the Miami game. He's played pretty well this year. I mean, he certainly looks like he's physically there, but he hasn't been quite as sharp enough to lead them. And then Karan Butler, who has really struggled all season. You know, it seems like he's really having trouble fitting into the, you know, fitting into the Flip Saunders' systems. What do you think, who do you think is, you know, a bigger, what do you think is a bigger reason why the Wizards are struggling of those two players? You know, it's it's tough to put a finger on. I mean, Karan last year, obviously, he was used to having the ball in his hands more. And um, you know, I know you mentioned in a in a post about him maybe needing to play to play off the ball some more, run some run some kind of catch and shoots off screens as a guard. You know, and as we know, the before the season we heard that twos and threes are interchangeable in Flip Saunders' system. And you know, honestly, when I've been watching games, Butler is successful you know, running off screens, catching the ball, and shooting. Now, he does, at times, have that little hesitant hitch in his shot. I don't know if he's, it's always a pump fake. It seems to be habitual with him and that, you yeah. know, maybe he just needs to, to catch and shoot more. Um, you know, with Darinus, I, you know, I don't know. What do you think? It's it's really tough to see how how he's been able to get acclimated, how he's had such a hard time doing that. Well, I'm not surprised that Renus is still has some games where he's clearly still mentally not quite back yet. You know, he's missed yeah. two years, and on top of that, you know, as we t- as we talked about with Mark a couple shows ago, this is the one guy whose role changes the most in the new system, the new offensive philosophy, whatever you want to call it, is Gilbert. I mean, he he's basically a completely different player. He's got to fill a completely different role out there. So I'm not yeah. I'm not too surprised that Gilbert's had some struggles. Obviously, 12 turnovers is, is pretty not is pretty um, you know problematic. But you know it, I think for the most part he's been fine. I mean he'll he'll get better. I think you know I, I expect you know that he was going to struggle a little bit early on. I'm a little mystified as what's going on with Karan Butler, and I think one of the concerns is that you know Gilbert's saying he's not shoot he's not shooting quickly enough. But at the same time, Butler is also making, you know, it's clear Butler is pressing almost a little bit. And he's trying to make a lot of plays, but he's not, yeah. they're not working. He's, he's committed a lot of offensive fouls. Um, he's, you know, shot a lot of forced shots, you know, and it just seems like I don't think he's worried about getting his or anything, but I think he, the whole, his own struggles might be in his head just because just looking based on the way he's been playing out there. Yeah, and it's, and it's weird, like a, that he seems to be when he gets the ball. Sometimes he wants to dribble it, and so much it seems like you get to a point you realize, like, uh, no, isn't Nick Young is the guy who gets the ball and dribbles the air out of it? Not you're not supposed to be that guy, Karan. Yeah, no, absolutely, and it is an adjustment from a system where he had a little bit more freedom to do that. Um, but what 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 has really surprised me as well, and this is even very uncharacteristic based on what we've seen the last couple of years, he's got four assists all year, and yeah. I think seven games. And I mean, two years ago when Daniels went out and you know they needed someone to facilitate, Karan stepped up and facilitated and helped lead that team to the playoffs. That was a huge key to why they made the playoffs that year, is because. Even though even though their point guard was really struggling with injuries a lot of the year, Karan Butler was stepped up and became more of a point forward. And even last yeah. year, he had a lot of turnovers last year, but it still was passing okay. Four assists this year—it's it, strange. I mean, I, do you think it's do you think it's just based on where he's, he is in the offense, or do you really think that he is not looking to pass as much this year and he needs to look to pass more? It, yeah, well, and you mentioned four assists. I had to 
go double check. I was like, wow, I didn't know it was it was that low. You know, part of it in the past when you know Renus might not have been around, teams teams could key in on Butler, and maybe that you know may open up the court more from his standpoint and made it easier to get the ball to his teammates. You know, now maybe teams are just trying to play him straight up and know that like, oh, this guy's trying to drive too hard. Uh, you know, he's he's just going to come charging into this lane, and his scouting report has almost changed on him. But, yeah, I mean, I'm as baffled the next guy, and probably just as much as Karan as to why he can't seem to to get adjusted to to what he's asked to do now. That's a good point about single coverage. I can't remember too many times that he's been double teamed either. And maybe part of it is because of where he's catching the ball, and I think this is partly by design because that, that is it is what he's good at, is he's catching the ball in spots where you don't need to double team. There have been a, there have been a couple times where you'll trap they'll trap on the baseline, and for some reason Karan's been running into the trap. I saw that at least three yeah. times against Miami, but he hasn't really. Whereas if you're running a high pick and roll, and the guy rolling is Brendan Haywood, who is you know isn't isn't the easy isn't the easiest guy to throw a ball to because you know on this on the screen it's easier to trap him, and then that may open up some other people. And yeah. I, I guess I, you know, but now where he's getting the ball, it's almost like there's not much of a need. The other thing is he just can't, he, he's having some real finishing problems. You know, yeah, yeah, definitely. I, you know, and it's almost, he, he committed a lot of offensive fouls, but, you know, it almost seems in the past, it almost seems like it's gotten more, like there, he's committing even more this year. And he's also just, you know, forcing a lot of shots in there like he has very poor I'm surprised that it's a lack of lift he has sometimes yeah you know and, may, and maybe it's someone told him that like look you need to be playing closer to the bucket you need to be getting close shots and so he's like forcing that issue a little bit and and then that's where he's picking up so many offensive fouls because you know he's not he, he can handle the ball okay but I wouldn't call you know he's not the guy he's not the best ball handler on the team no. so you don't really always want him to be a driver like that. No, I mean, absolutely. And I, I think it's regressed a little bit, his ball handling from 07 08, when it wasn't great, but it was at least better. Um, so I, that's why I, I, I'm so confused. I don't really know. I mean, is, is it really just the, the lack of familiarity with Gilbert? I mean, he hasn't played with Gilbert in two years. I mean, does it really take this long to work off that rust? And then he count training camp when they were both healthy the whole time. You yeah. Know, does it really take that long? I mean, because a couple of years ago, I mean, Butler had his first all-star season playing with Gilbert. You know, his role was very yeah. different that year, but, you know, they, they can play off each other fine. It's a really, I don't really understand why it takes two years to work all this off. Oh, check it out. Check it out. Here's so I think we're, we're coming to the consensus that, you know, Gilbert Arenas, with him, um, just like your body uh, in the physical nature, your decision-making also has to get acclimated to playing basketball again. Yeah. So we think he'll be okay, but Butler is clearly the the greater concern when it comes to you know what's going on with the the offense of this team, mm-hmm. and you know maybe maybe he needs that that third guy in the system. I mean, it's either yeah, that's it's true. Butler's the man with the ball in his hand, or he's with two other guys, Jamison and Reese and Renus, who can score, and he kind of plays off them as you know. I, don't, I would still wouldn't call him the third option, but you know when you have that those two other options, it makes things easier for him. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. The last time Jamison got injured was 06-07. Uh, 
the day he got hurt, they were in the first place in the East. They had just been Detroit, who was first place. This is, you know what I'm talking about back in 06 or yeah. 07. He gets yep. hurt. Gilbert has one of his worst stretches of, of the year, where that includes the, the game against Portland where he just didn't shoot, and then he complained yep. about it. You know, he had one of his worst stretches of the year. Karan Butler didn't also had a bit of a poor stretch. Just by Jameson being out, I mean, is there must be something to the theory that Jameson really helps the team out as far as the spacing goes, as far as kind of you know screen setting goes. Um, so maybe you know if Karan doesn't pick it up when Jameson gets back, I think it's cause for concern. I'm still hoping that things change because he is getting somewhat similar shots to where he was last year. Of course, he's taken a couple bad ones. Of course, he struggled with his drives. But one of the things that made him great a couple of years ago was that he was very quick to exploit all those open spaces that tended to result when he was playing off Gilbert and Gilbert and Antoine. And the last couple of years, he's become more of a jump shooting guy because there haven't been as many of those spaces. Maybe playing again with Antoine will help open up the floor a little bit more for him for some quicker accelerations to the basket, and then there'll be less traffic underneath under there. Hey, and we can only we can only hope that happens. Plus, when the with that other offensive option, the Wizards should be able to get the ball moving faster. And so when you get that ball moving, you know, the other de- the defense is moving too, and that you can expose holes and gaps in the defense yeah. much easier when you when that's going on. Yeah. But, you know, what's an interesting adjustment I've noticed with Karan, and then we'll move on to Gilbert, is that at the beginning of the year, we, you know, Karan was kind of, his place was a little bit confusing out there. Now, if you notice, you know, it used to be that the big guy is supposed to set the screen. You know how the hawk gets initiated with the shooting guard running off a hawk cut, and then the the four-man facilitates a pick and roll either to get a re- the point guard to the hoop or to get the point guard to the clear pass lane of the shooting guard. Now it's Butler that's running that screen as opposed to your four-man. It would have been Blatch. Um, yeah. But now Butler's running, and then instead of cut, picking, he's fading to the corner, and the hope is that he gets an open shot that way. It worked a couple times. But long term, I'm just concerned that, you know, again, it's getting Butler the ball in that range where he really hasn't done very well from, as opposed yeah. to maybe putting him in a position where he doesn't have to feel like he has to shoot the ball. He can, you know, when you're on the baseline like that and you're catching that pass, I mean, your your options are to shoot the ball or to pull the pull back out. And more often than not, because of the slump Karan's going to be in, he's trying to shoot his way out of it, understandably so, and he's going to shoot the ball. But if you put him more in the middle of the floor, maybe running off a couple curls, he at least has more options at that point. I'm surprised I haven't run any of those, those any, any isolations for him in the pinch post area, you know, like the elbow, you know, free throw line where, you know, you put Dirk Nowitzki a lot of the time. That would, I think that would be a good place for him. I, I don't know, that would be an interesting adjustment if Flip will run, can do that. In one, uh, one play they ran for Butler uh, against the Heat, and I kind of liked it, that he, he starts on the left side, goes baseline, you know, left to right off an Alberto pick, and then, you know, Haywood comes and down screen, so Butler can either take Haywood's pick and go up, catch the ball around the elbow, or he can reverse yeah. and go back right to left and use Alberto's pick. And, you know, I've seen Randy Foy run that play last night, uh, or, the you know, against the Heat, Quinn Richardson overplayed, Butler cut right to an open spot, which is, you know, right at the free throw line in the paint, and that when you got the ball there, it's like, okay, you've got the lane to drive. You're not trying, you're not catching it so much on the, and and then trying to drive against the entire defense. You've already got a lane for you created by Flip Saunders' yeah. offense. Saw that against Cleveland too. That would, that's good. That's true too. Plus, it's harder to double team you. You know, you can't trap someone in the middle of the floor. 
Yeah. You can trap yeah. him on the baseline. All different ways to get Karan's game going. But uh, what about, you know, Gilbert's game? I know he had the 12 turnovers. I, 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 we don't know exactly what went down in the locker room at the time of, you know, you know, supposedly he said 20 minutes before the game yesterday that he wanted to play with his calf injury. You know, but, but with the information we do know, do you think it was wise for him to play last night? Uh, you know, I think if they, his guru, Tim Grover, flew down from Chicago to check on him, which, you know, that's, that to me is a good thing. And if he cleared Gilbert to play, then I think it's fine. He can go ahead and play. Uh, it was curious that somehow he warmed up and he expected to come off the bench and then you heard Flip Saunders say, oh, well, you're warm, I'm going to start you, which, you know, honestly may have been the better option than to, you know, than to bring him off the bench, just get him in the game get him in the game early and get him going. But I don't I don't see a big issue with the fact that he played against Miami. I don't know. Do you? Yeah, I'm a little concerned. When, it is true Grover was there, but it's also possible, although we don't know for sure, that you know once 20 minutes comes up, usually everybody gets kicked out of the locker room. Maybe Grover yeah. got an exception to stay, but traditionally that's when people – I thought I think that's when people get kicked out. I don't really know for sure. So it's possible Gilbert – you know, once Grover left, changed his mind. I don't know for sure. Again, this is a bit of a speculation. But, you know, it's one thing, it's kind of like what Kelly Dwyer said, wrote today. I mean, it's November. You don't need to be a hero and play through pain in November. You know, and, and this was going to be a tough game regardless. I mean, Miami at, Miami at Miami, with the way Miami's playing right now, is going to, most likely, you're probably not going to win that game with when you're missing Miller and Jameson and, yeah. you know, two other, your, two, two your, you know, backup point guards. You're probably not going to win that game anyway. So, it, yeah. and then I, th- I think you ran out of gas near the end. I think the third quarter was an example of, well, certainly there were, you know, mental mistakes, but mental mistakes often get brought on by physical exha- exhaustion or, bat, or you know, your legs not being under you or something like that. And the fourth quarter, it just seemed like you had nothing left. And, you know, it's one thing about, you know, Gil, how he's responding to this new system. A couple of things I've heard him say, it, they don't really concern me as much, but I kind of rather hear different things coming out of his mouth. One was, you know, last night he said, oh, well, I'm not getting calls from the refs. You know, they usually give calls later in the year. I'm like, okay, well, you know, we, we saw some of the turnovers. They were just unforced mistakes. And then also Gilbert's, you know, he's saying things like, oh, you know, guys need to shoot faster, or I, I've become the bailout guy. And I'm not sure he's, you know, obviously a lot of people on the team are responsible for these early season struggles, but I don't know if Gilbert, at least in his words, is taking enough responsibility on himself or at least kind of biting that bullet since he is the team's point guard. I mean, what, what do you think of some of that? Well, I already wrote about how I thought that shooting too quick comment was pretty was taken a bit out of context. You know, I know Kim yeah. Berger wrote something about it. I, I thought that was a little. I, I understand the concern. You know, it's like, well, we need to shoot quicker. I mean, are we supposed to pass the ball more? But I think what he was really just trying to say is that we just got to make quicker decisions. And yeah. you know, whether it's shoot or pass or whatever, you know, we just we're just thinking too much out there. And he's right. And I think Flip would say the same thing. Now, could Gilbert have changed his words so that he didn't say shoot quicker? Yeah, he probably, but I don't think Gilbert really cares even now what comes out of his mouth. You know, it's, you know, then he, of course he's going to have, he's going to be upset when things get twisted, but I don't think he really cares too much about how things come out. And I thought yeah. it was interesting how he did, I remember when he, when he said that comment, he paused for a good four or five seconds trying to figure out how to say what he wanted to say. 
Do you remember this? I, I remember this when it was in the locker room. You just kind of yeah. Oh. yeah. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. The 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 comment after the Miami game I think is maybe a little bit more concerning, but they're also two and six and they're missing so many key players. I think winning will really cure a lot of things, and I hope they win. I think they will get better. I mean, because if you look around the rest of the team, a lot of the other guys on their team are showing some pretty good things. I mean, Andre Bosch is having a very good season, and Brendan Haywood, you know, yeah, he's he's shooting a little bit more than you'd like. You know, he's he's maybe his percentages are down, but I like the way he's come out this year as well. And I think, by and large, before the injury, Randy Foy's played pretty decently, too. You know, he he is what he is, but I think he's 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 helped the team out in, in a lot of ways. You know, he had a very good game against Indiana when nobody yeah. else showed up. So he I think, by and large, is. those guys play. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> my I mean by and large, favorite phrase. <laughs> that it is. It um, is, but he is what he is. You know, he is. He is what he is. He's an under. He's he's kind of a combo one-two that you know shoots doesn't shoot a great percentage, but can score a little bit, and has decent driving ability. You know, he is what he is. He's a good sixth yeah. man, and I still think they should have locked him up instead of letting him get on the open market. Yeah, I I, I agree with you on that one. And in our guy, uh, our guy Andre Blatch, I know I've been dubbed as a Blatch hater in the past, um, <laughs> but this year. I, He's really bringing me around. Like even when he had he had a poor game against the Pacers, you know, I I didn't like really feel like you know coming down on him because that because yeah everyone's going to have poor nights and he, but I just noticed him doing the little things more and it started with game one I think it was against Dallas he got a putback dunk and instead of kind of basking in the glory of a putback dunk he immediately turned around and busted his butt up the court to get yeah. there so he could keep up with his man on defense. And it's just like those are the, the little things I noticed out of Blast that he hasn't done yeah. before. And and then starting him the other night, uh, you know, you got to remember, as great as a passer as Oberto is, you know, Blatch isn't bad himself. So he was able to – He might be to, better. Yeah. I mean, because he can kind of – first of all, he's an offensive threat that Oberto's not. But he can, you know, he can see over the defense, work – had a couple of nice assists to Haywood, I believe. So, I mean, yeah. he's, he's really impressed me. Yeah, no, he, and, and, you know, with him, it's always going to be sometimes his, his he gets, he loses some concentration or, you know, he's always going to make some, you know, maybe some lapses sometimes. But what you, you what you want is that he's at least trying to cure some of those things. And he certainly is doing that. And, you know, I I think that's going to be a big key. It's going to be very, I, what I what I think we might see a lot more based on, you know, one thing. One other, one other positive that we haven't talked about is how well the defense has been playing. What I think you're going to see down the stretch is more of Jameson playing the small forward position, so that Blashing gets some minutes. I think that'd be very interesting to see. I uh, definitely, it'll definitely be. Interesting. Yeah. So by and large, I think yeah, they're two and six. They they lost some bad games. The Indiana loss was a bad loss, no doubt about it. But yeah. they are. I think that by you know with with their guys coming back, they've shown some very positive things. The real things that I think are the real the only two players I think out there who are not playing as well as you would have expected that are healthy are Gilbert and Karan. And I think Gilbert, even that, it's like he's he's playing about the level you expected from somebody who's been off for two months. It's just trying yeah. to trying two years, I should say. It's just trying to see what happens with Karan Butler just going forward and what effect it will have to get Jameson back. But overall, I, I think I'm seeing some. I, there are some positives in there. I think the way they competed for at least a half against Miami was pretty admirable, considering the circumstances, you know. And I think that they, if they don't have a bad, they showed signs against Cleveland. They showed signs in the first game against Miami. 
I think they'll be okay. I don't know. This, this early stretch might have cost them some playoff positioning, but I think they'll come back. Yeah, I, I hope so. And it's just you really want to, you know, if anything, even if they lose, you want to see the Wizards be able to put up a, a consistent effort all throughout a game. And that's that's the concerning thing is that in a, a lot of the losses they haven't, and they've only done it twice, you know, against Dallas and you know, against the Nets. So, you know, if they can start at least losing, <laughs> I hate to say that, but losing with consistent effort, which, you know, I, when they provide a consistent effort, you certainly signs that they'll get over the hump. But, you know, we'll, we'll see. That's, that's what I'm looking for out of this team, just coming together. Hopefully that happens when guys start to get healthy. You know, who knows when that will be. But, you know, it's the walk. Well, it should be Saturday. Team. It should be Saturday. Or Jameson Miller expected back. At least, you know, I, I heard back. at least, at least Jamison, and then Miller's more like a, a maybe. That's just kind of the the readings I've gotten into things. But you know who? Well, either way, I do think help is on the way, and Earl Boykins is on the way. So we're all set with Earl Boykins, the five five Kamikaze kid. All right, that'll do it. When we come back, we're going to be talking to Brian Packey from Motown String Music, SB Nation's Detroit Pistons blog, about the Pistons, their 4-4 four and four start, and the game on Saturday. Stay tuned. You're listening to The Dagger Report. Welcome back. It's all good, baby. It's all good, baby. It's all good. Welcome back to the Dagger Report. I'm Mike Prada, joined by Kyle Weedai, and we now are joined by a special guest, Brian Packey from the Detroit Pistons blog, Motown String Music on SB Nation, with the Wizards set to play Detroit at home on Saturday. Brian, welcome to the show. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks for coming on, Brian. Appreciate it. And we're we're here to talk about Detroit because, of course, the Wizards are playing Detroit, and Detroit's off to a 4-4 four and four start, I believe. Um, Brian, what stood out to you as far as this Pistons team this season thus far? I'd have to say the defense. Uh, everyone coming into this season was talking about how how poorly this de- uh, this team is going to be at defense. And I think they rank like six out of the 30 teams right now. They've just been playing passionate basketball like, you know, that we haven't been seeing in Detroit in the past, you know, few years. What about this uh, this Will Bynum guy? I mean, I heard about him in the preseason, how he can kind of come in and really play. And for a while it seemed like, you know, Rodney Stuckey was almost like the golden child. You know, at least that's he was an insurance to reason why you traded Phillips. But now Bynum is coming in and playing better than Stuckey is. What's going on there? Yeah, he's just this small guy. Uh, I think he graduated from Georgia Tech. He he went over and played overseas for a couple of years, I guess, to to work out some kinks in his game. And he's just you know he's just come out of nowhere basically. He's he's been phenomenal for the Pistons in the past year and a half. He I guess he attributed a lot of his success to Iverson, which is probably the only positive Iverson brought to Detroit is when <laughs> Iverson came over. He uh, you know kind of picked uh, Iverson's brain a little bit. And one thing he he said was he felt comfortable playing basketball with Iverson so he felt like he could play with anybody so it kind of just added to his confidence level well especially because it's not so easy to play with Allen Iverson 
Hey, if I could play with Allen Iverson, I would feel pretty good about myself. That would make me unlike maybe – there are maybe ten people in the league that can play with Allen Iverson. And he had, he had a vicious dunk on Tyson Chandler yesterday, I saw. You know, you wrote about it. It kind of energized the team. And, you know, at the time of the dunk, they were, the game was close. But then after that, the Pistons really took it to Charlotte. You know, so that really energized them. And I, I have no idea how the Wizards are going to guard a guy like Bynum. These are the types of players that always kill them. Well, now we have uh, Earl Boykins, you know, maybe. He's oh, yeah. Kind of, he's a little guy. Oh, that, yeah. Uh, he's buying them ball pressure trouble. So, finally, the Wizards <laughs> have a small guard that can, that's quick. Somebody called him Earl the Pearl today. Did you see that? Yeah, so it was some <laughs> random site, yeah. So what, what would you call it? Well, if you had to give a nickname to Will Bynum, what would, what would your nickname for Will Bynum be, Brian? Everyone in Detroit calls him Bynumite and Will's a thrill. Uh, Will the Thrill. I, yeah, I think he likes Will the Thrill, and uh, people in Detroit have been calling him Bynamite, so I don't <clears> know what I what I prefer, but... Uh, Will the Thrill is like a throwback to something, and why is it escaping my, my mind right now? Uh, that's probably Will Clark. He used to play uh, baseball for the San Francisco Giants. I know he was oh, yeah. Will the Thrill at one point. And um, another thing on Bynum, um, just a kind of a side note, if you want to make a connection to a current wizard, he actually started off at Arizona before uh, before heading to Georgia Tech. Uh, you know, I think he came, you know, he came after uh, after Gilbert did. You know, he's a freshman in oh one oh two. So, um, but yeah, he did start out really? there before. Yep. I, yeah, I do remember. Yeah, I got my. Maybe I got my history I'm wrong, sorry. but I thought Bynum. Sorry to tell you off. I got maybe I got my history wrong, but I thought Bynum was brought in the same year Gilbert was, and it was he was supposed to be his job next to who they have. They had like Luke Walton. Well, I guess he wasn't Luke Walton. It was Richard Jefferson and like uh, Jason Gardner and Michael Wright and Lauren Woods. And I don't know. I thought I must have my history wrong. Well, but, no, yeah. actually, you don't because Gilbert Arenas left after his sophomore year, and he, you know that was two thousand two thousand one. Bynum right. was a freshman in the next year, oh one oh two. So, so I do have a history around Yeah, they didn't play with each other, but maybe one one's presence had to do with the other. You know, you know, maybe Arenas left because he was coming, or you know, whatever. Yeah. So they just they missed playing with yeah. each other. And didn't Bynum say it once? Didn't sorry, go ahead, Brian. I was just going to say they were talking uh, during the preseason game that uh, yeah, Gilbert that was, and I was going to mention clowning around with each other. So I, I guess they're friends. Yeah, that's what I was going to mention. Like you know, there was an article I read about how Bynum like took you know he took he took uh, he talked to Gilbert and he took a lot of motivation from Gilbert's story, thinking he could kind of duplicate a lot of what Gilbert did because he was everybody kind of counted him out. I remember reading about this in preseason. Yeah, me too. Yeah. So but, um, anyway. Yeah, just uh, let's move on to more more piston talk. I kind of speaking of Bynum, but more of the team in general. I see you guys have been playing like a small backcourt a little bit more lately with Bynum, Stucky, and Gordon. You know, actually, uh, lineups featuring those three guys are actually uh, first and second on the team plus minus so far this year. Is is that something you you think they'll go to? You know, going on when Hamilton and Prince come back, or what, what do you think of that small lineup? I mean, I like it. Uh, I'm more of an up-tempo fan. I, you know, I like the offense more than the grounded-out defense, but th- that's something that Kuster said he was going to go with, you know, as soon as he was hired, the uh, three-guard set. And then, mm-hmm. you know, 
the fans were kind of expecting those three to put up about, you know, anywhere between 50 to 70 points a game. And then hopefully, you know, Charlie V and the front court can pick up the rest. That's kind of kind of what Kuster said he was going to do from the beginning until we get, you know, that big guy who can score down well. Uh-huh. Well, what's, what's interesting to me is that all this talk about up-tempo play in Detroit's the second slowest team in the league in terms of possessions so far this year. They're playing, you know, all their scores are down. I mean, and part of that is, yeah, they're playing pretty good defense, you know, but they're also playing really slow. And that's not what I expected to see from this team. I thought they would be playing a lot faster. And I think they played a lot of slow teams so far this year. Like, I know they played Charlotte, who plays really slow. I know they played Oklahoma right, right. City, who plays pretty slow. Well, I guess they play pretty fast. I don't remember what they're where they are, but you know, I'm surprised that Detroit isn't pushing the ball as much as I I thought. Is kind of what I'm saying. And you know, is this? Do you think it's a product of who they're playing? You think they're going, their pace is going to pick up? You know, going down the road, or is this kind of what Houston really is—a half pace, half court, you know, type of coach? I was as, spru- as surprised as you were, <laughs> as you are. Uh, I thought that it was going to be quick. You know, push it up court. Uh, quick baskets and you know hustle back on defense type uh, type of game plans and yeah they've been playing half court one on one basketball a lot of the times and I think that's just more of a product of who Stucky and Bynum are more so than anything else uh, hmm. they're they're better off as like one on one guys I feel like um, and that's just kind of how it's probably going to go until Rip and Tayshawn come back and they can uh, start opening up the floor a little bit more. Speaking of especially Rip Hamilton, you know, where do the minutes go once those guys get back if these, these other three guards are building a nice rapport with each other? I think uh, Kuster separated the minutes pretty pretty nicely in the Memphis game when Rip was was playing. You know, honestly, it's a good question. You you really don't know where it's going to go. Uh, I was wondering the same thing when, when Rip comes back. Are the Pistons going to have another you know, four or five games where they're going to have to readjust to him coming back, you know, like they've been adjusting without him. You you hate to, to say that Rip and Tay's injuries were, were good things, but they actually, you know, they've been giving a lot of minutes to guys who needed experience and needed to work together um, because in reality, those guys aren't going to be around for, you know, past, you know, maybe not past this year, definitely not the next couple of years. Well, they did sign Rip Hamilton to a three-year contract extension that kicks in after this year, so maybe he will be around. And I was going to make the exact same point that Kyle made. It's that, you know, one of the concerns I had with Detroit coming to the year is how would they divide all these minutes up between all these guys. And I like Gordon. I think he's – a lot of people did kill that signing. I really – I think he's a good player. I think he's worth the money they gave him, and I think they should have signed him. But – now you're put in a position where you have to move either. It seems like to me you have to move either Rip or Tayshon. And Tayshon was almost traded. I mean, there were rumors earlier this year that Tayshon was going to get traded somewhere, weren't there? I mean, am I, am I imagining this? I think they just started because he missed he missed that one game. It was his first miss uh, in almost 500 games. And then mm-hmm. Jason Maxfield didn't play that game. And, people, you know, he was averaging like 17 minutes at that point. And so people were just kind of – kind of speculating, you know, this is almost, you know, too coincidental that, you know, Tayshon's missing right. his first game in almost seven years, and Max Eel's got a, you know, coach's decision not uh, do DNP. So I think they were, it was just speculation. But, yeah, Tayshon and Rip, you know, 
no, nobody, there's no dispute that those two are definitely the uh, biggest trade bait on the Pistons roster. This season, Tayshawn exactly. uh, is making 10.3 million. Next season, he'll he's set in at uh, 11.2, you know, 11.2 million or so, and that's he's done after that. But uh, after this season, Rip Hamilton has three more left at 12.5 million per. So he's He's locked in there pretty good. But Tayshawn, yeah, he could be some sort of trade bait, especially this summer, getting into next season with uh, you know, with what will be an expiring contract. Yeah, that the 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 expiration of his contract will definitely help, but the ruptured disc probably kind of come at a worse time. Yeah. Yeah. Now, because I, I was thinking Prince would look good for the Wizards, actually, before the season, until you realize how bad his disc is ruptured. Well, switching gears, though, you know, I, I, let me see if I can put this in at least a, a, as unloaded a way as possible. Um, what did Ben Wallace take this summer to get back to where he is, he is right now? Like, what, what is up with him? Since when is he suddenly good again? He, he drank uh, some water out of the fountain of youth or something because, <laughs> you know, I, I was I was one of the guys who, you know, I was on the, the ship that didn't want him, thought it was a terrible idea. I mean, I was bitter when he signed with Chicago for more money. Uh, and, you know, I'm just one of those loyalty guys, and I, you know, I felt kind of betrayed by the fact that he took off on us. Um, and then he's coming back from a broken leg. He's thinking about retiring. Like, it just, to me, it didn't seem like a good idea at all. And he's, I don't know what he's, he's out there to prove something or something, but he, uh, he's definitely changed my mind on, on that for sure. Yeah, it's it's funny how guys kind of return to a comfort level, and you know they start playing well, but at the same time, I mean the the Pistons do have a, a new coach, John Kuster, who was actually with Ben Wallace in Cleveland last year, um, and I know like so early on when the the Cavs are struggling, a lot of their fans are like, oh well, we we miss Kuster on the sidelines, you know he was helping out with their offense because you know Mike Brown's a good defensive coach, but they don't think too highly of him on the other end. Um, what what do you think of the job Schuster has done so far? And, um, you know, can you assess him a little bit? Yeah, when, I, when we hired him, I thought, you know, the Pistons were going to be, uh, you know, and then we, you know, before we hired him, we had already agreed to terms with Gordon and Villanueva. And I thought we were getting away from defense and going into the, you know, offensive mode where we were going to be a team that averaged, you know, 100 points per game. And it really hasn't been the case. We're averaging like 92 right now and giving up even less. And so, honestly, I, you know, I think he's he's just a fresh face who's got a firm grasp of a formula of what it takes to win. He's you know he's he coached under Larry Brown and during the championship year, he he's been uh, mentored by Dean Smith. He, you know, he's coached under Mike Brown last year. He just knows what it takes to it seems like to motivate the guys because. You know this team has played as inspired as any Piston team I've seen, and you know and I've only seen eight games, so it's pretty impressive what a different, different face you know under the coaching, on the bench is is really done for the Pistons. Yeah, let me ask you. Let's say hypothetically Michael Curry inherits this Pistons team instead of the Pistons team he got last year, which was a bunch of veterans, and then they trade Billups, and now he has to deal with Iverson, and then he has Rip whining and, you know, all that stuff. Let's say, I mean, what if Curry were to get this team, you know, 
do you think? I guess what I'm trying to get at is that how much of this success of you know at least the the intensity that you talk about, how much of that is due to Pucer being a better coach than Michael Curry, and how much of it is due is due to just a better mix of players that aren't nearly as disgruntled as last year's team was. I, honestly, I think it has a lot to do with respect. And Pucer has been uh, an assistant in the league for almost 20 years. Curry had been an assistant for two years, had played with some of the players, wasn't that good. You know, his his main thing was he, he worked his, his tail off when he did play. He was uh, president of the Players Association, you know. And I think he was he was a leader, but I think as a coach, he didn't have as much respect as, you know, a guy who, who's been in the league for 20 years, you know, working his way up to deserve a head coaching position. And I think they just respect Houston a lot more and they, they understand that, you know, he, he deserves to be the head coach and he wasn't just given a kind of a flyer from his, his buddy Joe D, you know? Yeah. Interesting. That's a good point. I hadn't thought of it that way. Like, you know, but if you're if you're a bunch of players, like, and you you played under like same coaches for a while, yeah, it it certainly seems like a bit of disrespect to throw out a guy like my. I mean, Michael Curry was, might be a great guy, he might be a great coach someday, but it was his first head coaching job, so I, I can understand that perspective. Yeah. Like, if I'm a player, it's like, why should I listen to you? And it just it mm-hmm. seemed like he never had that team. Yeah, he played with Rip Hamilton, I think, the most out of all those guys, and. Those two were the ones who clashed the most, and so that's that's probably what it, it boils down to. Is you know, I know one of the comments Rip Hamilton supposedly made to him was, uh, "You weren't that good when you played, so why should I listen to you?" <laughs> so <laughs> that's funny. That's uh, that's funny. All right. Well, it was also a combustible group of group of people. I mean, they ran the current Wizards coach out of town too. Speaking of, yeah, Flip Speaking of our, our friend Flip Saunders, exactly. What did you think of Flip yeah, when he was a coach in Detroit? I liked him a lot. He he was he's actually a lot like Houston in a way. Uh, offensive, you know, you think he's offensive minded, and he he brings in defense too, uh, more so than you expect. You know, again, like it was another thing where he clashed with the players. I, I don't think Rasheed liked him at all. Yeah, and then there yeah. was that whole deal with Ben Wall. Uh, I think Ben Wallace not playing him in the final 12 minutes of his last game with the Pistons, and so that was a big reason why I guess he left Detroit. But yeah, he, I mean he's a great coach. He's you know he's definitely upper echelon I think of the coaches in the NBA. Yeah, it's it's curious. I know like Flip and some of his talks, you know, while he's been with the Wizards, he kind of played down his relationship with with Rashid. I think at one point. You know, he was saying, he related the story how Rashid was mad at the refs, and Flip Saunders came and said, you know, told Rashid to come yell in his face instead so he wouldn't get yet another technical. And then once the, the members of the media saw that, they kind of said, oh, well, Rashid's yelling at Flip Saunders now. You know, what's going on there? So maybe some of it was overhyped, but there are definitely some comments from Rashid Wallace that, that weren't too uh, weren't too positive in regard to flip, so you know. So as sure as the sun will shine, I'm gonna get my share now. What's mine? And then the harder they come, the harder they fall. One and all. Ooh, the harder they come, the harder they fall. One and all. 
anyway, let's let's get to Saturday's game. Um, Wizards match up with Detroit. Uh, Antoine Jameson is supposed to be back. Am I correct, Kyle? I mean, did anything change in practice today? He actually was supposed to practice today. We were told that he was sick. Um, you know, there wasn't the nature oh, of the God. sickness, whether he had the flu or whatever. The plan is that he will practice tomorrow, and if everything is good from there, he'll play. Um, I mean, of course, it would be his first contact practice of the year. Uh, so, you know, it's it's still a wait-and-see type of thing. Uh-huh. I got you. And they, so is he, assuming he plays, you know, you would think if he plays, he'd start. You know, so if you're Detroit and you know he's coming back, who do you guard, Who do you put on uh, Antoine Jameson? Do you put Charlie Villanueva, or do you put the Swedish guy? You what's his name? Jonas Tarakbo, who's been starting. You know, so who who would you have guard Jameson if you're if you're Coach Kuster? Then you have Haywood in the middle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, I mean, you could go. You couldn't really go wrong with Jarebko or Ben Wallace. I mean, I mean, Arenas is going to be playing, obviously. So that's going to be the, the Pistons' main concern is shutting him down. Keeping him under like fifty, forty points. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, Jonas Jarevko has been amazing uh, uh, defending this year. He, he's, you know, he's a rookie, obviously from Sweden. Uh, nobody was really expecting anything out of him except for Joe Dumars, and yeah. he's come on and started for Prince and done a great job on defense. He's just all over the floor. I, I've made the comparison that he's like that local. He's like a guy at your local gym who just doesn't stop hustling, and you hate to hate the guard because he's all over the place. Um, <laughs> yeah, kind of kind of looks like that guy too. So it was it was funny, and uh, you know we could only listen to the preseason game in Grand Rapids over the radio, but uh, the Wizards radio guy Glenn Constor, he was kind of raving about uh, Jarebko and just you know what type of player he was all over the court. You know, aside from the hustle, what's the What's the one aspect of his game that we should kind of pay attention to on Saturday? Uh, can I say hustle again? <laughs> uh, he 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 does. You know, one thing I've noticed is he, when he guards the bigger guys, he he kind of he kind of lets them back him down a little bit. Then he kind of moves out of the way. He pulls the old Rick Mahorn move, and <laughs> kind of he, he's gotten a lot of steals by letting guys back him down, kind of pulling the Rick Mahorn, you know, pull the chair move. And then steps in front and, and steals that uh, pass down low. Um, but yeah, his defense has just been remarkable. He, he hustles all over the floor, and he's gotten a lot of big offensive rebounds too, where he just tips it back to the to the guards out past the perimeter. Yeah, he's um, really. I mean, his, his offense. He doesn't really have an offensive game other than he just hustles, and if he's open for a layup he'll, or a dunk, he'll he'll take it, obviously. But yeah. He hasn't really so shown could, anything else on offense. We could quite possibly see him on, if you guys are starting him and Villanueva and Wallace as your front line, we could see Jarebko on Karan Butler, who's been struggling struggling lately. He's a topic of a lot of discussion around Wizards Nation. But um, And then maybe Villanueva, since he's, I don't want to say he's completely similar to Jamison, but they're both kind of four men who can shoot the three. I mean, Jamison rebounds much better, but um, than Wallace on Haywood, I could imagine. Yeah, I, I'd say if I'm Detroit, I'm concerned about Villanueva having to check either Butler or Jameson. You know, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, 
Butler's been playing, re- I mean, really having his problems in this new offense. But obviously, you can't really put Villanueva on Butler, so you're kind of stuck putting Villanueva on Jameson. And I'm not sure that's a good. I mean, I know it's Jameson's first game back, so that might be a good sign for Detroit. But I, if I'm watching, I want to exploit that matchup. I mean, how is Charlie V's yeah. defense? Because I mean, he's been killed for his defense for his entire career. I mean, is it really that as bad as it's been? His reputation is kind of you know been put out there. Yeah, I, I didn't see a lot of him before he came here, and that was the biggest knock on him. His defense is awful. He's one of the worst in the league. And, you know, it's kind of hard to gauge how he, you know, I, I never understood how you can be the, you know, how you can be labeled as the worst defender in the league and and put up the kind of numbers that he does on the boards. But, you know, he he has been suspect, to to kind of put it lightly, you know, a lot of you know in his first few games back, guys were wide open. They'd beat him off the dribble easily. He wasn't boxing guys out. Um, but in the last few games, he's you know supposedly he had the flu in the first few games. He was still coming back from a hamstring injury. And these last few games, he's been you know nothing short of amazing. He you know he's hustling on defense. He's getting blocks. He's getting rebounds now. He's putting you know, now he's putting the ball in the hoop. So. You know, I don't see the worst defender in the league in him. I mean, he's definitely not, you know, Ben Wallace or Jonas Terepko, but, you know, he can hold his own, especially if he matches it on the other side of the court. And... Mm-hmm. I gotcha. Okay. What do you think offensively? I know you don't know a ton about this Wizards defense, but what do you see as Detroit's big advantage playing against the Washington defense, which has played pretty well this year, actually? Uh, what do you see like a good place where Detroit can exploit the Wizards? Uh, with their guards, I mean that's that's how they're gonna they're gonna put up points. That's how they put up points on them in the preseason. Uh, put up 98 against them in the preseason. Um, I mean it's gonna be a lot of you know more of the same as we've seen in the first eight games of the Pistons. A lot of one-on-one half-court basketball. Uh, Stucky, Bynum, Gordon. Uh, if Gordon can can get hot, he, I mean his, his shots gonna open up down low for Villanueva. I mean, that's that's going to be the key is the guards, as as every game is going to be for the Pistons, is can the guards put up, you know, their 50 to 70 or 80 points and then pick up the slack with, you know, some points from CV. Yeah, so, I mean, that, that sounds like, you know, the, what they have to do. Um, that concerns me, then, if I'm a Wizards fan, because I, I know that if Will Bynum comes in and, and you know, has to, you know, and, and is allowed to do his thing, that he could make a lot of, Give the Wizards a lot of problems. Exactly the type of play that always hurts them. And then Stucky at least has the size to play to go with Arenas in the backcourt. And I imagine Arenas is going to be tired because Randy Foy is probably not going to play. I don't know if his stats has been updated. And already Crittenton and Mike James are out. So I mean, you're leaving with Arenas and Earl Boykins. So I mean that that could be a big problem. I, I mean, I can see that, you know, so it, it seems yeah. like it, if Jameson is healthy, it seems like this is going to be the type of game where it's going to be a battle between the two Wizards forwards of which Detroit can really only realistically check one and the, the Pistons guards of which Washington can probably only realistically check one or so, you know, I mean, that that's how I see this thing playing out. Cause I, I don't know who's going to, even if you could put someone like even Deshaun Stevenson plays, Ben Gordon will. I mean, I don't know how well Arenas can play Stucky and Bynum. I mean, that seems like a concern to me if I'm a Wizards fan, which I am happily. Well, maybe sadly right now. I mean, we'll see. I mean, 
flips on his ass about Arenas' calf today, his sore calf muscle that almost kept him out in Miami, and he simply said it was okay. And Randy Foy's ankle, it's, I think it's better than expected, but I still wouldn't expect him to see him in the lineup on Saturday. Hmm. But anyway, yeah. Brian, I, now I've got to put you on the spot. What do you think is going to happen on Saturday? Give me a score. Oof. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, big thing for the Pistons is a lot of the times they, they just let those guards like Arenas and, you know, Kobe and LeBron, they get theirs. And their key is can they shut down the the supporting cast. You know, in the preseason, I think it was a kid I went to high school with, JaVale McGee, who blew up in the fourth quarter at 12 points or something. And that was the reason why we lost that game. The Pistons can shut down or – maintain, I guess is the right word to say, the supporting cast and let Arenas get his 25 to 30. Um, you know, I think they have, a, they have a really good shot at winning this game. I think it's going to be a good game. Uh, the Wizards are 2-6. and six. They need a big win. So, I mean, I, I, I can't really predict against the Pistons. <laughs> but uh, I, I, think I wouldn't be surprised if the Wizards pull this one out because they need a win. They're 2-6. and six. Pistons are coming off, you know, two big wins. They might be, you know, they they got an extra day off today. I know they didn't practice. So, you know, maybe they come out in Washington a little sluggish, and that might be a reason why they lose. What's the score? What's the score? you got to get a score. I'm going to go 97-92, Wizards. Oh, but I thought you couldn't take against the Pistons. What happened? Did Uh, Did I freak you out? Yeah, I said I wouldn't be surprised, so hopefully I'm wrong. <laughs> well, I hope I uh, hope you're right. <laughs> Brian, as I understand it, you went to high school with JaVel McGee. Um, uh, tell, us, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, actually, I didn't know it. I thought I graduated before he was there, but he was there, apparently. Uh, my, my younger brother is a year below me, and kind of pointed it out to me that, you know, the guy in the Wizards went to our school. And I was like, really? I had no idea. And he he had a baby face, and they called him baby face, apparently. My brother and his friends called him baby face. Um, and he transferred because he didn't get enough playing time. Imagine that. Wow. Well, so now he's in the NBA, maybe. so I'm sure they feel like idiots. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe, maybe he should transfer from the Wizards because right now he's not getting very much playing time at all. <laughs> it was very impressive against the Pistons in the preseason. I thought maybe he'd be a surprise this year. I actually picked him in the last round of my fantasy basketball draft, hoping that he'd kind of break out this year. And he hasn't been seen many minutes. So. Yeah, he, uh, he's still he's still a bit of a work in progress as far as you know his you know where he's supposed to be on the floor, his defensive rotations, you know his decision yeah. making. But he he's got a hell of a lot of talent, so that's yeah, for sure. Off. Brian, uh, Brian, let me ask you one more kind of question. I mean, we know that these two teams are connected. You know, Rip Hamilton, uh, Ben Wallace, and Kwame Brown all played in D.C. But also you guys have uh, Chris Wilcox, who played locally at Maryland, and Juan Summers, who played at Georgetown. Um, you know, Summers is a rookie. One, like, does it, how, does, how has he been looking? Has he given a good first impression? And two, Wilcox isn't getting many minutes. You guys signed him for $3 million. Is that, was that a waste of money? Yeah, he hasn't, he's been surprising, surprising in that he hasn't been playing a lot. I know Dewan Summers is 
surprising in that he hasn't played a lot either because he was supposed to be the best out of the three rookies, and he's seen the least amount of time. Wilcox was supposedly moved ahead of uh, Max Seal in the rotation during the preseason, and you know all of a sudden Max Seal's playing more minutes in the regular season. So it's been kind of interesting to see that uh, Wilcox hasn't been seen a lot of time. He's supposed to, you know, be that big guy off the bench who can score. And he really, you know, he's, he's, you know, he I missed a layup in the last game. He just he hasn't looked good at all. And that's probably explains why he hasn't been playing very much. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm just, you know, hopefully he doesn't play very much anymore because, you know, I'm tired of Detroit stealing Washington's players. I'm tired <laughs> of it. Enough. <laughs> Enough of it. Anyway, anyway, Brian, thanks so much for coming on the show. <laughs> thanks so much for coming on. Uh, if, guys, if you want to check out Brian's site, it's MotownStringMusic.com. It's on the SB Nation Network, of which Golds Forever is a part. And, yeah, Brian, you know, thanks for joining us, and good luck to your team in a losing effort on Saturday. <laughs> I appreciate it, guys. This was fun. All right, well, when we come back, we're going to wrap the show up. Stay tuned. You're listening to The Dagger Report. You can tell if he chose words of wisdom from Nas. Try to rise up above. Keep an eye out for Jake Shorty. Walk one love. Welcome back to the Dagger Report. This concludes episode three. Thanks to Brian Packey from Motown String Music for dropping some knowledge on the Detroit Pistons. And, you know, Kyle, Saturday, do the Wizards get off the schneid? You know what, Mike? I think they have to. This this team against the Pistons, who, you know, I'm not going to knock them, but, you know, I certainly think they're better than the Pacers, but the Wizards are at home. The Pistons are an okay team. They have some injuries. If they don't win, I'll be I'll be shocked. So I'm going to call – I'm going to say Wizards uh, – 95 to 84 for Detroit. Wow. This might be the first time we agree. Yeah, I, I think they win, too. With Jamison back, that's a huge lift. I think you'll see that the offense will get much better. And, you know, Detroit's 4-4, four and four, but they have not. I mean, they played a pretty easy schedule thus far. So, yeah, I think we're about to agree for the first time on this show. I'm going to say Wizards win – 100 to 87. Okay. I will I will certainly take that, sir, and we'll uh you know, we'll just get ready for Saturday, perhaps see the the debut of little Earl Boykins in the Wizard uniform and hopefully I'm knocking on wood right now. Hopefully Jameson will play. I um, mean, you know, it sounds positive that he will, but with this team, it's like, wow, you never know. You never know. And looking forward to the Wizards debut for Earl the Pearl Boykins. That should be fun. Anyway, anyway, for for Kyle Weida, I'm Mike Pereira. Till next time, the Dagger Report. On the PG shit, I ain't finna keep up And I be with peace, so I got BBC shit Even if I didn't, I would ball like a Renus